You're listening to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice, a podcast by two entrepreneurs at different stages of life, sharing real life experiences, managing a successful business and family life. It's honest talk about lessons learned, balancing family, faith, business, and personal growth on the journey of making our dreams a reality. Now, here are your hosts, Jerry and Jacoby. Hey, everyone. I want to welcome you to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice. I'm Jacoby here with my good friend and co-host, Jerry. And every episode, we're bringing you honest conversations about what really matters and how to create success without sacrificing the things you love the most. And on this episode, we actually have our very first interview that we're going to be doing. So Jerry and I interviewed Tristan Amata who he started his career out as a real estate agent around 2004. And currently now he runs a top real estate team in Los Angeles and Ventura County. He's also a speaker. uh, He's an author and he also is just a real estate entrepreneur. He does a lot of things in the real estate space in addition to just selling, helping people buy and sell houses. And so I really think Tristan epitomizes what we talk about when we say success without sacrifice. He has an absolutely awesome business and he's still growing that. He's got a speaking business as well. He's been married to his wife for almost two decades. They've got two children as well that he has a really good relationship with. And I think he really gives us a lot of good nuggets on what it takes to be successful in all of those areas without sacrificing the things that we love the most. And so um, I'm really excited for you guys to listen in on the uh, interview here. So without further ado, here's the interview. Super excited to have Tristan from Lab Coat Agents on today. Most of the people in uh, my real estate world will definitely know Tristan. Um, As we're building up our audience in success without sacrifice, Tristan's going to be new to you guys uh, and you're going to love him. And where it started for me was um, started following this Facebook group that was just blowing up. I don't even remember four or five, six years ago. And it was just, you know, they were just, oh, we're at 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 members. And it was just a group that everyone was kind of talking about. And the one thing that I remembered where it really started for me was, and where I really peaked, where my interest in you peaked was you guys went through some controversy early in the years. And I don't even remember the specifics, Tristan, but I remember somebody accused you guys of something and it, and the way I took it was, okay, these guys are blowing up. And so there's some haters here. And like I said, I don't remember the specifics, but I just remembered how you handled it. And it was completely professional. You could tell the relationships were important to you. And from that point on, I was a fan. And it was, I guess, probably two years ago, um, I had been coaching with Travis Tom from Elevated REM for a little while on his Facebook marketing. And you guys launched and announced you guys were going to do a two-day event, and you were going to keep it to 10 people out in Vegas. And I uh, talked to my wife, and I think, I I don't know if it was $2,500 or $3,000, I said, I'm going to this because I just want to be in the room with Tristan and Travis. I need to meet these guys. I've been following them for a while. I had a lot of respect for how you treated people, how you wanted to grow your business and the professionalism, what you carried yourself. And so 
that was a relationship with you is something I knew that I wanted to pursue. And so I used that, that event to get in the room to really start to get to know you on a more personal level. And so for me, that's where my relationship started with you. We even had a burger together in Vegas. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Can, <laughs> for me, you could pretty much, anybody in my world can probably say they've had a burger with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. How about you, Jacoby? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've definitely had a burger with him for sure. Multiple <laughs> burgers. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really excited about to have you on as well, Tristan. Um, you know, I remember when Jerry actually went to that event and he told me he was going to be going to that. It was It was really exciting, especially to hear about the Facebook marketing and all that stuff. But I think really you being our first guest and I think it's really fitting. And so uh, I've been following you for a while, just watching you just cause it, you know, Jerry's done some work with you. And then of course, lab coat agents, which is, is huge. But for us, you know, it's our, the podcast is success without sacrifice and you know, it's success without sacrificing the things you love. And so one thing when I was doing my research to, you know, start this to do this interview uh, one thing that I really liked is on your, on your, uh, I think it's on your personal page. You've got, you know, you've been married for two decades. Uh, you've got two kids as well. And then uh, you have an awesome real estate business and you're also, you know, speaking and just a lot of different en endeavors. And so I think it'll be really good for our audience and for people to hear, you know, you are successful and you have not sacrificed, you know, some of the things that you love in order to get to where to where you're at. And so I'm really interested to see how things go and also to hear from you uh, as well. And so I guess my question would be like, or also like, uh, give a little bit of an introduction for yourself. And then can you tell us like what that kind of concept means to you when you hear it success without sacrifice? I'm going to start with that first. That's a great question. The success without sacrifice, because I, I love the name of your podcast. Awesome name. And I thought about it for, for a couple of days. And what I came up with was just a simple, the simple understanding of living through, through your life without sacrificing those priorities that you have. And I think all of us have different priorities. Right. And I think as we grow older, we we identify what those priorities are for us. And for me, early on, it, because I got married at such a young age, one of those priorities was my wife and is my wife. Right. And one of those priorities in my life is God. Right. It was, that's what I, I grew up with. And as I had children, those became a priority, right? My, my children, my kids. And then as I, as I better understood my business, that became a priority as well. And I think it wasn't until that we all have watershed moments in our lives, you know, like history has its own. I think in, in all of our individual lives, we can identify those times where, where things changed for us. And whenever that is for you, you start prioritizing differently. And so when I think of that, when I think of the title of your podcast, I think, well, for me, I'm never going to sacrifice the most important things. And that's God, self, and family. And what I mean by family for me specifically is my wife and my children, right? And it's in that order, right? And don't get me wrong, I sometimes mess up that order, right? Yeah. It's not always 
God first or or here and that. It's sometimes sometimes it's business first. And then that's where you have to go and reanalyze and say, okay, let, let's get our priorities right. Let's get aligned to this because at the end of the day, when I'm gone, the only thing that I have left is that example that I set to those people around me while I was alive, right? What was that? And I continually go back to that. So even when I when we pray at night, now one of the first things I was teaching my kids and to this day, I say, hey, oh, God, help us to remember to be the best example that we can be to those around us on a daily basis, right? Because subliminally, I want them to always remember that people are watching, right? And so that's what it means to me. That's why I love your title, by the way. Awesome. That's awesome. And one of the th- ways that that's come out is like, or that you're leading by example in that is, I'm not sure I've ever been to an event or been out of town where you're there and your family wasn't with you. You know, dude, that, that is a really good point. I'll, I'll tell you the history on that. So I've been a real estate agent since 2004. and. I've been married since 97. So it's been a long time. I was in, I was in college. I was living with my parents, got married. My wife lived with us right in a room. And I became a real estate agent after I graduated and I went to law school. And the reason I became a real estate agent was my, my mom, I told my, I asked my mom, like, what should I do after college? I have a history degree, right? I can, I can be a teacher, I can go to law school or what? And so I got accepted to law school, but at the same time she said, well, you know, those real estate agents, they drive really nice cars. So there is that. And I thought that's a really good valid point. Yep. So I looked into it and I, I, right out of college, like that month, I had gotten my real estate license. So it just happened at the same time. And I went all in that summer I went door knocking and called people and it, it took off pretty quick. I remember our first paychecks came together. It just happened to close all on the same day with three of them. And I live out in Southern California. So the paychecks, you know, they, they were like, I think it, all three of them were like close to 30,000. And, <laughs> and I was like, I'm rich. I'm rich. It's done. I'm, I no longer have to work ever again. I paid off everything I ever owed. But I was like, dude, early 20s. And I still remember that feeling. My wife was like, this is amazing, right? Because remember, we're living in a room, right? With my parent, with my mom. And, um, and I thought that was just an amazing thing. But then it grew from there and we got our own place. And then we had kids after. And then what happened is as I started growing my business, I identified more with the online type of business where we would go on to Google, we would go on to Zillow, Realtor.com to get business from there because the world was changing, right? The economy had crashed and my older ways at the time weren't working. And so as I gravitated over and the world was getting better, like 2010, 11, you started seeing it turn around a little bit. I went all in on realtor.com. So I was marketing with them and I had no idea they were in the same building that I was in, in Westlake village, California. So 
one thing led to another and they contacted me and they said, hey, we noticed that you market with us and you spend a lot of money and you have a lot of success. We want to know what you do. Can you tell us? So I tell them over the phone. I say, hey, these are the systems I use. This is the processes. And they said, hey, we've never heard of any of that. Can you come in and we'll interview you on camera so we can kind of share it with everybody? And I said, sure. I, and then they said, by the way, you're in the same building we are. I said, no way. I never even saw a sign. So I realized I got out my door, walked into the next door, and there's Realtor.com and their whole sales floor. And they own half the building, and I didn't even know. So I sit down, do a quick video. I explain to them how I process the leads from start to finish. And they send it over to their exec team. Their exec team loves it, calls me back and says, would you like to speak for us at NAR with 20,000 agents and we'll fly you there? And I said, under one condition, you fly my whole family there because I don't usually go anywhere without them. And that's where it all started, Jerry, with the family. From the very beginning, I was like, I don't know, I want to experience this, but I'm such a family-oriented guy. If they can't do it with me, I don't want to do it. So that, that's where it dates back to. So it goes all the way back to there. Yeah. From the beginning. That's, that's where your speaking story. career started, right? Realtor.com? That is. It started, it started off with a bang. It was either crash or burn or amazing, right? <laughs> and it was amazing. I was like, oh, wow, this is kind of cool, right? That's where I met a lot of people in the audience that we still know today. Kevin Markarian, who you may know, Jerry and Jacoby. Um, he became my friend from there. He was in the audience and called me after and said, hey, can you go through that system with me? And then we went over it over the phone and then he built a business around that whole system. So um, it, was a, it was good. And that started my speaking career. And then on our way, check this out, on our way to San Francisco to NAR, the first time I remember speaking, I'm sitting with my wife. It's only a 40 minute, 30 minute flight. And I'm like, hey, honey, you know, this is really cool that they're doing this first time. I have a feeling they're going to want to have me back again and have me speak here and there. It's just a feeling. And I don't think it's going to last, you know, because I always see them pick up different people. So what do you think we can do on this opportunity to to make it last past what we're going to have here? And so she was the one that said, why don't you create a Facebook group out of this? Because other people will want to learn from it. And I was like, that's an amazing idea. So I wasn't really on Facebook until my wife told me to be on it. So there you go. Good thing she went. Mm-hmm. Man, so that's awesome. Break down. One of the things that I see in, in your world is you have a lot of, you wear a lot of different hats. So you have like, we've talked about lab code agents being a, a large Facebook group. And just to give context to how big of a uh, group this is, uh, lab code agents is 130,000 members uh, are part of this group. I'm assuming it's still the largest Facebook group that it is that like speak to the statistics behind that. It is the largest real estate online community. There are a few other ones that are pretty large, but we're, we have a lot of engagement and we're the largest Uh, that that's all I can speak to on that. I think there's another one that's like 118, 117,000. They do pretty well as well. Our focus, our main focus as this community is to just share with other real estate agents and real estate professionals. 
uh, just processes, systems that are working for single agents, teams, and brokerages, sharing technology, and really approaching this whole business on the business side of it, not just kind of on a whim, right? Saying, hey, there are processes and systems to this, and it's almost like science, right? Let's break it down for you. That's where the idea of sharing came from because I had these systems and processes for success. So yeah, it's a, it's a large community and that's where we ended up uh, connecting with Facebook as well. They're like, wow, you guys have an amazing group and you also run Facebook lead ads, right? Let's Let's connect because you guys are doing something amazing. So that opened up the door to talk to Facebook as well. So what would you put is the main things that you're involved in? So you have your, you have lab code agents, uh, you have a real estate team. I know you invest. So what are the top five or six um, hats that you wear? Uh, what I'm trying to give here is just context of that. You've got m- kind of multiple irons in the fire. Got it. So business wise, I have a real estate team that runs out of Los Angeles and Ventura County out in California. That's number one. That's where, where it all started. And number two, the Facebook group became a business. So that's something that I run as well. And then I also we also invest in, in real estate, right? So that's the third thing. Then what happened as I was growing this community, I'm like, hey, you know, there, there's an opportunity to help other people lead in a better fashion, right? And, and for me, it always, it always comes and stems from kindness, right? As I was, when I was a kid, I still remember like eight years old, like a, a light turned on in my head. My, my parents were like, hey, read this story about Samson. Samson and Delilah. That was my introduction. I remembered to to the Bible, right? So I'm reading this story and I'm like, whoa, superpowers? This is this is pretty cool. I got hooked on the stories. Okay. So if you're a kid, that that would be like the the totally amazing intro to, to the Bible. And so that's what started my journey. But if I think back to going to going to services, there was one thing that my parents would do and force me to do. And I didn't like it. And that was, okay, we're here. I need you to go and say hello to every single person here. And they'd get there early and they'd say, see, go, go say hi to that person over there. They're lonely. You see that older couple over there, go say hi to them. You see that person. I need you to do this every time you come in. And, and that felt really uncomfortable for me at a young age. And I think that part helped me out a lot because as I grew older, it became a lot easier for me to just strike up a conversation anywhere. And, and I attribute that to my parents pushing me, continually pushing that. And the business side of that is, well, a lot of these business opportunities that I've had are because I didn't really want to, but I felt like I needed to go and talk to somebody. I'll give you an example, Jacoby and Jerry. When I get when I get calls from from people selling stuff, I actually have to listen through the whole thing, which is weird, and that's why I hate picking up my phone. And they because it sounds like it sound, almost sounds interesting. Like, okay, what am I missing something here? Because so I get these calls and I get hit up a lot with from companies that say, "Well, I've got this amazing idea. Can we share it with you so that you can introduce it to lab code agents?" 
right? And so it starts off, oh, I don't want to, I don't. And then I listen and I'm like, that's a really good idea, right? And so a lot of the businesses that I've teamed up with, the, the fourth part of this is I've had the opportunity also to invest in some of these tech companies that nobody had ever heard of. And now we've been able to help them grow, right? So that that was the fourth. So yeah, investing in real estate, but also investing in tech companies. And then that's where the other opportunity came, uh, Jacoby and Jerry, to be part of a title company that was starting from scratch. So I only own a small portion of it. I don't own, I didn't create it. Uh, the person that created it paid all of the money up front and just started growing it and brought me in and one of my friends and said, can you help us with the promo, with the marketing and all that locally? And and then it started growing from there. And so other opportunities have come from just me sitting down and, and listening to people, which I thought was, it's always been really interesting because I, I don't want to listen. I don't want, I'm like, oh, I don't have time for this. I don't. And then I just listen. And then I'm like, wow, that was, that was amazing. So I continually try to remind myself of that because sometimes we push people away or we don't sit down and listen. And we think that what we have to say is more important, but you can learn a lot from just shutting up and listening to people. Yeah. That's, that's really, really good. I was, I was laughing because anytime I hate getting pitched too, because I'll, someone will be like, can I talk to you about this? And I'll listen to the whole thing. And my wife's always like, why do you listen through that whole thing? And I'm like, well, for one, I pitch all the time. And so if I don't let people pitch to me, I can't, or I, people don't let me pitch to them and I don't let people pitch to me, then I can't expect people to let me pitch so to them. So true, man. So true. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I always listen and then they always end up getting me. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a catch 22. <laughs> I know. I know. I've had to learn over the years too. So that's, that's actually good that you bring that up because one of the affirmations that I put there, because I know I, I try to be aware of what my weaknesses are. And so I write them down in the forms of affirmations of things that I can improve on. Right. And one of those is before I make a financial decision or any decision, uh, I go through the principles that I believe in that are based on God and values and all that. And I ask my wife, what do you think, honey? <laughs> so that saved me from a lot. So that's you, a really good point. You would go. buy everything? Dude. <laughs> I just feel yeah. like I need to test it out, right? I'm like, I need to, I need this. Yeah. And my wife is like the number one partner to have. If it ain't a good idea, she's giving me the stink eye for sure. And so I know if I'm getting the stink eye, I'm like, eh, I better, I better rethink this thing for sure. <laughs> so good. So good. Uh, well, the question, the other question I've got, so as you're going through all of those things, like, I always love listening to people and successful people. Um, but can you go through like kind of the progression of how you got to those points? Cause obviously opportunities come to you now, but is it a, and what I'm trying to get at is like, as sometimes when people, for instance, like if I look at you, I'm like, okay, well now he is like so successful. You know, was it like you started out with your real estate business? Like we got that going on track, ready to go. And then, you know, the Facebook community kind of came next and we kind of worked on this or did it all come in conjunction? Did you have it all planned out? You know, can you kind of talk through that Great. progression a little that bit? That was a really good question. And no, I had none of it planned out, by the way. 
because I, I think one thing I learned later in life was that you you have these plans, but nothing nothing goes according to plan, right? So I remember, and then I'll I'll shoot right into it. In college, my wife and I are trying to figure out what we're gonna do in life, right? And I'm like, look, I don't have a lot of skills, but I think I can I think I can do like a gardening business and and we can make about eighty thousand a year together, right? And just have it go on, right? I can hire a couple of gardeners and get this going. I have some managerial skills, okay? And she's like, that's a great idea. And so in college, we're thinking this because that's what we're exposed to around us. I, you know, we didn't we didn't grow up wealthy or even moderately wealthy. We grew up super poor, both of us. And so one thing that that I've learned is that when you start getting exposed to what the possibilities are, your thoughts begin to change, right? And you start understanding reality differently. And so I go back and the one thing that I can attribute the initial success to when I started real estate was really not holding back and just going all out and trusting a process that had been proven to, to, uh, to really succeed if you do it a certain way, right? And so that's why I, I believe the people that you're around with, because when I started, I had a mentor. He, he used to work for Sparklets Water. And he's like, let me show you how to door knock, boy. And I was like, okay. I'm like, I'm, dude, I'm 20. I'm like, I don't even know. Super young. So he treated me like a kid, right? Which I was. And he said, and he was much older. I think he was 68 at the time. So he came from a different world and I came from a different world, right? And we met here and he says, this is how you door knock. He'd do the little sparklets water knock. I don't even know what that was, S-P-R-A, whatever. And he said, so you talk to people, you engage with them. He's like, you never walk across the lawn. You go on the sidewalk. I still remember that. I'm like, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, okay. And so it's the mentors that you have at the beginning. They're paving the way, whoever they are, right? And now we have the ability to just be mentored by so many people virtually, right? Back when I started, I didn't. So I, I, I feel blessed to be able to have someone who did that for me and help me. So um, that... I think the the ambition to want to succeed and and just prove people wrong because I already had this I had a guilt that well look I'm married I live with my mom right in a bedroom in her house I'm going to college I'm trying to wrap up here I don't have a job because I'm trying to finish college and I want to start my life, right? Uh, and and so I had a lot of that guilt going out. So as soon as I got my real estate license and I graduated, I didn't wait. I mean, that day I went all out. I door knocked six hours a day continually. And then I realized really quickly that you can't door knock that long with a suit. So <laughs> that's one lesson I learned quickly. And they always thought I was Jehovah's Witness, by the way. Nothing against <laughs> Jehovah's Witness, okay? Nothing at all. Because I talk to them at my door all the time. But when you're trying to get business, that's not the 
that's not the angle you want to get, right? Because I got yelled at a few times. So I changed the way I dress. I got better shoes for doing this. And that's how I started the career. But the thing that I can attribute that initial success to was never saying that won't work for me. This doesn't work here. Right. It was like, okay, that's what you're telling me to do. Let me try that. And now that I've tried it, let me tweak it because I see that it does work, but it's probably going to work a little different for me. And you get a lot of people in any business, all businesses, who are, who are saying, well, don't, that won't work here. No, that, that only works in California. Well, <laughs> that only works in Texas or, or Michigan, right? And I think that's, that's our biases looking for, for confirmation that's really saying, well, you know, this is why it won't work. This is why it won't work. This is why it won't work. And that's when we're allowing our reticular activating system to be like, well, let me show you the ways that won't work, right? And we I think um, one of the things that I've adopted over the last probably five years is this idea of, of I mean, I told you this the other day, if I pay a coach, I'm going to listen to him because I've done my homework, I've done my research, and I know who I want to be coached by. And so if I'm willing to put up the money to pay a coach, I'm not going to sit there and argue the process. Um, and just buy into it. And I don't, and I'm, I've developed a personality. I don't need everything explained to me. I think uh, the other day we were talking about a title on something and I didn't, I don't think I necessarily agreed with you or disagreed with you on it, but you said that I should do it this way. And I'm like, Oh, well I'll just do it then. Cause you said to do it and you're my mentor in that area. And so let's just, move on. Now you always have to re, you know, you always have to evaluate your mentors and your coaches and make sure that your, you know, your values and, you know, your core principles line up and that you're heading in the direction that they're coaching. Um, but if, if you commit to it, then you should do it. I hear all the time in these different coaching programs or like, I'll be on a call with, with one of the coaches and somebody's arguing with the coach on how to do something. Well, don't argue. If you, if you got to figure it out, you go coach somewhere, but this is how he's coaching. So you're not going to change his mind. It's very true. And I think, I think it's important to see too that or to realize early on, and you guys both know this is that we're not going to agree on everything that we talk about ever. It's never going to happen. And I think the expectation that we all have to agree to work together is, is there for a lot of people because they've never been told, Hey, you're not going to agree with everything. 100% of the people, not even your kids or your wife. You've got to learn how to work together, knowing that you're going to disagree on over half of the things. And I think that I learned from being married for, for 23 years because um, I had to learn super quickly because our, our marriage, you know, clashing at the very beginning, right? We were so young. I had to learn a lot about relationships and just negotiating and everything I know about relationships and succeeding with other people. I learned from my relationship with my wife because I wouldn't be married with her if I didn't decide to be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to win very few battles and she's going to win most of them. Right. <laughs> but more importantly, this is, this was the lesson that if I want change, I need to be the one that changes first, right? 
And I think we expect the other people to make that change first. And that's where, where the challenge is because in relationships, like if, if all three of us start a business and we don't agree, well, instead of me telling you what to do, why don't I just show you how it works on my end, right? And then you guys can be, hey, Tristan's doing something a little different and it's working. Uh, maybe we should ask him what he's doing, right? So I, I lead by example, not only in my businesses, but in my life with my kids, right? And with my wife. So that's one lesson I learned super quick early on. Can you, can you unpack that a little bit? So like what you said, we often laugh about it, but I think what you said, there's like something really important in there. You said like, my wife's going to win most of the battles. And so we even had, we've had previous episodes on our podcast about that, you know, like, you know, which battles do you pick and which ones do you choose? And so I think that's a concept in your marriage and business with your kids and everything. So can you unpack that a little bit? Like, what do you think are the, the concepts that you use to think of what are certain things that I need to fight for, not to fight for? What do I yeah. lead by example Dude, for that sort of thing? Great catch, man. I love that. A great question. And I think with battles, what I mean is there are always going to be situations in, in a relationship where we're like marriage, all right? Exactly. Marriage here, husband and wife. My wife says, you know, why do you leave? Why do you, why do you, why do you leave your shirt there? Right? Why? It's, it's so close to the dirty laundry. Just, and I'm not, I'm not going to say that. I'm sorry. Dump it. Right. Or, you know, the dishes are, the, the you know, Right. There's no need for me to be like, well, pff, why am I going to wash the dishes? I'm working too over here, right? Or why am I going to do this? Or why am I? That's what I mean. Like there are, there are certain things you should just never even take into consideration that you're going to go up against and just say, okay, that's fine. Because the important ones, Jacoby, this is why I love your question. The important ones come when, when the principle, my principles, that I want in the family, right? When those principles are by any chance threatened, right? And that comes into play when, when we're trying to help our kids grow a certain way, when there's a big decision to be made when it comes to, to investing, to moving forward with something, right? And I think if you... It, it's almost like you're deteriorating your chances of making stronger decisions together if you're continually fighting about the small things, right? Because it's already setting a trap like, okay, well, we're always in disagreement. Instead of, we're, we're always in agreement. And every time we make a big decision, we make it together. And that's what I want my partner, my wife to feel like, all right, we're only negotiating when it comes to these massive decisions. And I trust my husband to make these amazing decisions because we get along in everything else, right? And I know that based on his example, he's never steered us wrong. And he has these principles that we all abide by, right? Because, dude, I'm still old school. I, I'm still old school when it comes to like, and I know not a lot of people are, but, or maybe they are, I don't know. 
I don't pay attention. Be careful. You're from California. I know, bro. But you know, (laughs) us Californians aren't that bad, all right? (laughs) But I still believe that there's a position uh, as a husband and a wife, right? And I believe that in a marriage, in this union, we all have uh, our, our weight to carry. And I think that in most relationships, right? Not in all, but in most relationships, one of them has to play the leader over the other, even though we we work together side by side. Like there is no way I can tell you that my, my wife is less or more than me or equal. Just our positions are different. That's all. That's all. She There's no way I can do. She, my wife does stuff way better than me, mostly everything, right? Like there's no with the kids and the family and holding. She's my rock, right? But there are other things that I do better. Right. And we both know that. And I think maturity over the years has allowed me to be able to to express that to her and her to me. Right. We know where we fit in and how we work well together. Right. And there's no decision that I make without her. But at the same time, she knows that I can lead our family in the in the place where we want to be. Right. And I think that comes that does come with maturity because. I didn't always want to take that role, right? Because I felt like, well, is this, I, I had that conflicting feelings from the world that we live in, right? And I'm like, well, how do I, how do, I do this? And it's almost like I needed permission, right? But I think that's where leading by example through all the years, my wife's like, you got this, right? And so that, that was a progression as well. So, Jacoby, that was a loaded question, dude. That took me off a tangent. So, great question on that. I don't, I don't even want to know if the... I answered it. So, but <laughs> yeah. there you go. Well, I don't want to miss the to... point that you just made either about that it was, you know, she's trusting you because you have years of of, of being the example in that leadership role. Uh, you've built that trust. But one of the hurdles, so a lot of people on our podcast know my story where I didn't really start getting serious about leadership and until probably about five or six years ago. And I started going off to these events and getting coaching. And so all of a sudden I started to make this huge shift inside of my house. And uh, I'm thinking everybody should just come along because I'm doing something good. And, <laughs> and I forgot to slow down and that I have to bring people along with me. They're just not going to grab on and come with me. And so I don't want to miss out that, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm the leader, and so she needs to follow me. It uh, it definitely was years of making good decisions, and and not just that, but also knowing when you made a bad decision and owning that as well. Yeah, I think that right there, the bad decisions, owning up, and you know, apologizing too, because the, here's where here's where your unconscious bias destroys you sometimes, where when we make a mistake, we don't even know we made a mistake sometimes because the most important thing in a relationship, husband and wife, and even in business, right? Is that you step back for a moment and realize that sometimes it doesn't matter if it was wrong or right. It matters how the other person perceived it and whether they were injured emotionally from this. And so just just reaching out and apologizing first for being the one that hurt those feelings and their emotions. I think that, and truly feeling that you're sorry, right? Like 
Dude, one of the things I learned early on, and I don't even know from who, so I can't give credit to anybody, but probably my my family or just reading, I don't know, but was when I'm in a in a heated discussion or uh, going back and forth with my wife early on, I learned to take a very small break, close my eyes, pray, and and just try to recenter because I realized that I had a lot of emotions going through me and I wasn't th- seeing things clearly. And so I'd pray really quick. I'd say, God, just help me, help me to relax, you know, help me to understand what's really going on and push everything else that's, that's holding me back away so that I can communicate better and I can really get down to what needs to get done because I, I love this relationship, right? And so that quick prayer or something along those lines will really center me again and be like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm stupid. Let's just start from scratch. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And it hurts to say I'm sorry. Don't ever think that it doesn't because, damn, it hurts a lot. But, you know, if you say it enough times sincerely, you start realizing that you you really care about this relationship and you want it to go past this. And this is only a small part of something much bigger that's beautiful. So, yeah, I think that that has a lot to do with leadership because then people begin to trust you. They're like, God, this person really cares for me. That's a really good tenet. I think most people want to know how much you care about them. That's that's one thing that I've learned. Uh, really, it's a part of me, you know, following Christ is that like I am, I'm just wrong. I'm just foul. I'm just wrong a lot. You know, I'm not perfect. You know, and so that's one one good thing that or one thing that I think the world tells us is like, you need to have all the answers. You need to be perfect. But the real treasure is in is like, we're not perfect and people just want to know you care, you know? And so I think that is, that's super key. So true, dude. That's very true. I think we're wrong most of the time, which is I'm used to it. Like some, my kids tell me I'm wrong. I'm like, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got you. You're probably, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> probably wrong. I, um, I, uh, you said something in the very beginning that I kind of want to go back to real quick is, um, when we we're talking about success without sacrifice. Uh, normally what I always think of is not sacrificing your family, your spiritual, you know, spiritual aspect of your life, but you also said not sacrificing yourself. Like, what did you mean by that? Um, Cause I don't hear a lot of people saying that, like sacrificing your, don't sacrifice yourself. And, you know, I'm assuming I have a lot of assumptions of what you meant, but that kind of stuck out to me when you said that, can you like expand on that too? Yeah. Good catch, man. When I, when I talk about the self, I talk about all aspects of the self. And what I meant there was the mind. So continual growth of yourself mentally, um, spiritually self, right. And physically. So I I learned later on that I continually need to better myself. And I learned it from, you know, it was Jay Papazan who I interviewed. He wrote um, Millionaire Real Estate Agent with Gary Keller. He also wrote The One Thing, so if you want to catch that. Uh, but Jay, I interviewed Jay Papazan. He goes, Tristan, did you, do you ever realize that when you sit in an airplane and you're about to take off or you're taking off, the, the stewardess or the steward says, just make sure you put on your mask first and then the kids. And I, and I was like, for some reason, that just hit hit me. 
And I was like, oh man, that makes a lot of sense. If we don't take care of ourselves first in all three forms, how the heck do we expect to take care of those around us, right? Now, because of that interview, I started changing the way that I approach it. And then I also read Extreme Ownership by Jocko and that hit me in the face. I was like, whoa, this whole time, which goes, goes back to your question, Jacoby, and what you said, which is like, it's our fault most of the time. It is. If we don't up, own up to this, we're always going to be blaming and be the victim, right? So when I, it was a combination of those two things that I said, I'm just, I'm not living my best life right now. What can I do to better those three things? And so I made an outline. I say, these are the things that I need to do. I need, first of all, I have it. I have the ability to reach out to some of the most amazing people, reach out to them, talk to them more, read a lot more, but topic stack, right? And I'll go into that right after. Then the other thing is I said, well, I'm just, I'm not working on myself physically enough. I think I am, right? But I'm not. What do I need to do? Like go all in to make sure that I'm there physically, like, like I'm fully, fully physically. Physically, right? And it felt uncomfortable like crazy because I had to look at myself in the mirror and be like, I'm not proud of what I see, right? I'm not. And so when I looked, I'm like, I'm not there where I want to be. I don't think I ever will be, but that's not going to stop me from trying. I need to just get to that next level. And to me, it meant a lot more reading. So I have to set some time to be purposeful on learning the topics that I need to learn that I think my kids will learn from, right? My family will learn from because the smarter I get, the smarter they get and the better decisions I can make because I'm exposed to these amazing, brilliant minds, right? So that's a massive priority for me, that part. And also working out because I thought, well, you know, 20 minutes here, kind of, right? No plan. I can eat whatever I want. As I started after extreme ownership, I'm like, oh man, this is, I'm so far behind. This is absolutely nuts. So gradually, now it didn't happen overnight, but gradually I had to fit it into my schedule and I do a lot of things. So it started off with a simple, I, I need to track what I eat because that's a, my wife's a dietitian, right? So she's been telling me for years. I finally like, see, I'm wrong all the time, but my wife's a dietitian. And so I was like, okay, honey, I'm breaking down here. Okay. I'm like, okay, honey, you're right. I suck at eating. Can you just tell me what to eat, please? Right. So she deals with um, women, infant, children, and, and cancer patients. Right. So she just wrote down my diet. She's like, this is what you should eat. Right. And I was like, okay, I followed it. I used the app. Uh, what's that app called here? Uh, my Fitness Pal. It's easy. I think it's like the most downloaded one ever. So I put my weight, I put how many calories I wanted to eat, and then I broke down the carbs, protein, and fat that I wanted to have as an intake. That's all I did, right? That's it. And I, I go, let me start reasonably. Let me start with something that's manageable for me, right, that I can sustain and, and grow on. Because I remember always my sensei of 13 years when I was a teen up until college, hardcore Japanese sensei, okay, Shotokan Karate. I was stuck on green belt for two years and I didn't understand why. 
And he would tell me the same thing. He's like, your base sucks. You're, you're, you're just, you're terrible. And I'd take the test. He'd fail me. I'm like, why, why? Right. And he keeps on telling me the same thing. Your basics are all wrong. And it wasn't until I let go of my ego, I said, okay, okay, fine. I took off my green belt and I go, I'm not even going to wear a belt until I get to black belt. And that was a recreation of me going back to the basics. So I thought the same thing. I'm like, okay, I've got this all wrong. Let me, let me do this. And so I started with that. And then as I got comfortable, it took like six months, by the way, I'm like, okay, I got this. This is a routine. It's a habit. I do this every day. I've tracked every single day. Let me add a workout. Let me see where I can fit a workout that I think is reasonable for me. And so after I looked at my schedule, I was like middle of the day for me. That's when I'm kind of like, there's a break. And I started with like 20 minutes or 30 minutes and it was P90X, Tony, uh, Tony um, Horton, P90X, uh, P90X3, right? The the 30 minute workouts. And I was like, okay, this is good. That lasts past 90 days. And I'm like, oh, I feel I'm feeling better, but I'm not doing enough. Remember, my ultimate goal is different. So now I'm like a year into this. And I'm like, I'm not feeling better. What can I add? Let's start walking. Right. And now I'm leading by example. Here we go. I go, honey, why don't you go walking with me? It'd be fun. Right. We start walking and then our relationship just gets even better. I didn't realize how much I wasn't talking to my wife and talking to her about all the businesses that we're doing that she's involved in and she doesn't know and she should know. And that just deepened our relationship even more. And I'm like, can we go walking again? Can we extend our walk? Right. So now I added that at the end of the day. And then I go, this is not enough, right? I need, I need to be able to be 90 years old and be able to carry my own groceries up the stairs. And I'm not in that shape that I want to be in. And I need to get there. Let's add another workout at 6 a.m. every day. And it's going to be running. But I hate running. So I bought a tread from Peloton. And I'm like, let's make it happen. Because I know that if I buy that and invest in it, there's no way it's going to sit in my garage and I use it. So now I run in the morning, I work out in the middle of the day, and I walk in the afternoon. And that's my full workout. And dude, it's transformed my whole life in, in such an amazing way. Because now I never said to anybody, hey, I'm going to work out this much. I never said to anybody, I'm going to look amazing. I just went out and did it. And it brings those people around you and you inspire others and it's the same thing I've done in businesses. I don't talk about it. I just do it slowly and consistently, right? And so that's what I mean. The same thing with reading, right? My goal is to read four books in a month. And it's usually one book a week. Now, sometimes I fall like I'm behind. The last week, I'm stuck on the same book. I'm, so I'm not going into two weeks on the same book. But you know, I catch up, right? And it's all about just having a plan that fits into your lifestyle and it has to be gradual. Great question, dude. It's awesome. Thanks. Great question. Well, that was awesome. Really appreciate you opening up. It was pretty neat to see how, how we just kind of 
navigated that and it kind of took some uh, directions that I wasn't anticipating. But that was it, a great question. It was really good Jacoby stuff. brought that question. What is the best way that our audience can find you? You can go on Facebook or Instagram and you could just find me on Facebook. It's Tristan Almada, or you could just Google me and, and I'm on, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, pretty much everywhere. Just Google Tristan real estate and you'll find me and you can reach out to me. I respond. Sometimes it takes me a day or two, but message me, text me anything you want. And because there is so much stuff uh, with you out there, we have a good chunk of the audience that is non-real estate related. Like what would be the one or two spots that, uh, that somebody could reach out to you that isn't interested in being a realtor? Yeah, real, uh, I think besides real estate, it's leadership. I've transitioned over to, to leadership a lot more over the last few years. So the ability to, to be able to help people just structure their path to what that looks like a few years from now. I think that that I've helped with a lot with companies, with individuals, and and just overall helping people understand what that looks like, right? Whether it's just the basics of breaking down, wait, what are, how do you function? What are your values? Have you ever taken the time to sit down and look at what these principles that you abide by are? Because we all have them, but we just don't write them down, right? Like we all have our operating system. What is it? What is it? So I think just something simple like that. Yeah, definitely on the leadership side, guys. Okay. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us and bringing tons of value for our group. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Great questions, guys. I loved it. I'm a fan. You guys rocked it. Wow. That was a great interview with Tristan Amata. Um, it was great to have him on. Uh, as far as being our first interview, I think we hit it out of the park. I loved having that conversation with him, breaking down on how he got started, um, some of the uh, you know things on how he's growing such a large audience in Facebook. Um, really, you know, I appreciated how he's balancing uh, work and uh, life, uh, family. Um, and on top of that, he's got you know, it looked like four different revenue streams uh, between his real estate business, uh, lab coat agents, investments, uh, you know, so he is stacking that work and he is getting work done. Uh, one of the things that I did take from it is I jumped on while we were recording and ordered Extreme Ownership by Jocko Wheelink. I'm going to check that book out. I would suggest it. That will also be in the show notes. Would love for you to connect with us on our, uh, you know, through obviously through the podcast, but on our Facebook group, Success Without Sacrifice, the Jerry Jacoby podcast. Uh, would love for you to connect and um, you know share some things going on in your life there. And if you want to uh, connect with Tristan, we will put that in the notes uh, for you. Um, you'll have a couple different ways to connect with him, but he's got uh, you know a large Facebook audience. He's doing some marketing stuff. Also starting a new podcast on leadership. So it's just uh, great to kind of watch him grow and uh, awesome that he let us be a small part of that. Again, check us out at Success Without Sacrifice and we hope you have a great week. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Jerry and Jacoby podcast. If you walked away with something of value, we hope you'll share it with a friend. 
And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast so you get notification of all new episodes.